Hey guys, welcome to episode number three, The Deep Dark Trauma. This episode is a part two and this will be Sophie's part. We just want to put on the front of this episode that we do talk a little bit about mental, physical, emotional, and sexual trauma. So if any of this might trigger you or bring on something mentally that you're really not sure if you are ready to hear yet, um, go ahead and X out of this episode and uh, wait for the next one. All right, Sophie, uh, there you go. You can start. Some of the first things that I remember happening to me that I didn't realize was not okay um, until I was older is being forced to bathe with my dad up until I think I was about eight. Uh, I remember that I used to get told that it was okay because there was a washcloth in place. And now looking back at that, I definitely realized that one, that's disgusting. Two, your daughter or son even should not be bathing with an adult past the age of, I think for me personally, three or four. Uh, That kind of went along with the subject of being groomed. If you don't know what grooming is, grooming is a method that is used by offenders or people that involves building trust with a child and the adults around the child in an effort to gain access to and time alone with the child. This also can happen when you're an adult, but for me, obviously it happened when I was a kid and the person who was grooming me was my dad. He used to use tactics to try and get me to trust him and to want to spend time with him, like bringing toys home from like work trips or like little knickknacks or things that he would get on these work trips or buying me things from the store or taking me places. And in reality, at that age, like you, that's all you want is all the toys. But being older now, I look back and realize that that definitely should not have happened, especially what had happened by him later in my life. He was also the person who really just um, abused me in multiple different ways by discipline, but to an extreme form. I used to get my pants pulled down and spanked with a bare hand or a belt or a wooden spoon. I used to be able like, put in the corner for long periods of time when I did something wrong uh, and that to me now, I realize that that is a completely different form of discipline. Like that is not discipline, that's abuse. Um, I remember me screaming for my mom, asking her to help me when I would get spanked. And I just remember her walking to her room and totally ignoring the entire situation. And that, right off the bat, totally broke our relationship. She didn't try and help me. She didn't try and get me out of being hurt or being extremely disciplined. She just walked away from the situation. My dad also mentally um, messed me up, messed my mom up, did a lot of things to my brothers that I shouldn't have. I remember 
my dad throwing my brother literally through the door and I can like visualize that and I still have flashbacks of that and I can hear him screaming and things like that. Um, and he, he was very controlling, very manipulative and eventually started holding me and my brothers, um, away from a lot of my family. My grandma had told me that, uh, her and my grandpa would drive down from Michigan all the way to Green Bay just for the slightest chance to see me and my brothers in the front yard. That really hurt me. I didn't, I actually didn't know that until, um, this past year. And when I was told that, that really hurt me because a lot of families that you see, like, don't have that type of, I don't know what well, to say. Well, if you know anything about our grandparents, like, their whole world was their grandkids. And I think that's what's more heartbreaking about it is all they wanted was to see you guys. You know, and there was only one person holding you guys from that. Yeah. I think that's the, and and a lot of families these days don't have grandparents like that these days. Yeah. So that's even harder to think about. I I just want to apologize too that this episode is probably going to be a mess because I've literally never talked about any of this to anybody, not even the full thing to Haley. And it's hard to almost put into words, uh, and I wrote down a bunch of notes and trying to talk about it and elaborate on it is really hard to like get that to actually come out of your mouth. You can think about all these things in your head, but getting them to actually come out into words and sentences is extremely hard. Telling everybody that I didn't like them, but forced me to be quiet. My grandma on my dad's side told me that he used to tell them that I was scared of my grandpa, which was not true at all. Uh, my grandpa actually passed away last year, and that was probably one of the hardest deaths that I've ever encountered. It actually really hurt me. Um, I still keep him on my in my car, and I drive around, and I see him every single day. He was one of my favorite people, so that was really hard for me because I was never scared of my grandpa. I was really scared of my dad. My mom had a lot of trauma that was caused by my dad that made our relationship really rocky. Mental health issues. I mean, she had these issues previously, but my dad definitely made them worse. My mom was working with a doctor and they were trying to figure out solutions to help her bipolar, her depression, and try to stop her overdosing uh, to try and solve what she thought were voices in her head, which was in reality, my dad's voice yelling at her and treating her like crap. So this doctor prescribed my mom 50 ECTs. If you don't know what an ECT is, it's an electroconvulsive therapy. And it basically sends electro like electric currents to your brain and shocks it. The max amount of treatments that you're supposed to have in a lifetime, if you even need them, is 12. And like I said, she had over 50. Uh, I, I watched my mom overdose through the ages of, I was probably about 6 or 7 till about, well, even over 18. And it was definitely over 70 times to the point that she actually got kicked out of a mental hospital and had to get put into a bigger one because of the amount of times that she was there and they knew that she needed more help. 
I remember being nine or 10 and walking into my mom's bedroom and seeing her literally foam from her mouth and shake in her bed. And I remember crying and saying, mom, and she wouldn't say anything. And I also remember the ambulances being at our house almost every Sunday. Sundays were the overdose days and it really just set the mood for the week. And I knew in these, on these Sundays that the amount of abuse I was going to receive that week was going to be extreme and more than usual. Uh, I also remember going to mental hospitals almost every day after school when she would be gone and it seriously ended up being my extracurricular activity and that's not the activity that most kids enjoy. I remember dreading going and the empty feeling that I had inside and almost cold and I do remember that there was this one time at the mental hospital and when we got there, my mom was literally running up and down the hall screaming and I was probably like nine and I remember seeing that and my heart just sank and I, I was very uncomfortable and I wanted to leave and after that I started refusing to go because I didn't want to see my mom like that. Uh, while my mom was gone, my dad used to try to force me to sleep with him. And even when my mom was there, he would make me sleep between them and I didn't really have a choice. Otherwise, I would get beat or spanked. So I just did it anyway to avoid getting hurt. And that probably happened up until I was about eight. Then my sister at that point was old enough to start the process of being groomed and she was essentially the next victim of the things that he would do. Um, and as I got older, I literally never wanted to be home because of it. And I was always getting yelled at for never wanting to be home and always being with my friends, but I just wanted to escape the reality of what my home life was like. I mean, my friend life wasn't much better. I experienced a lot of sexual harassment, abuse, um, and I saw things that I shouldn't have been seeing at that age either. I remember visiting a friend in Surgeon Bay and her mom's boyfriend came out of the room and was completely naked and asked me and my friend for uh, his porn DVDs. And I was probably about 11 and she was 10. And I really wanted to leave and I remember feeling very scared and extremely uncomfortable and that feeling was very overwhelming. And that wasn't the only experience, negative sexual experience I've had outside of my house. Um, I was also molested by other children that were in my neighborhood. There was a girl by my house and she used to force me and the other girls that I would hang out with to make out with her or she would touch us even if we would say no, she wouldn't stop. So we would always find a way to leave. Um, and there was another house down my block with these boys and they were much older than me. And I remember going in their house one time, but I seriously cannot remember what actually happened in there. It was literally like a black hole. So I have no idea what happened in there. And these boys, their family also had um, a nail salon in our local mall that we would get dragged to and up in the back room behind it. And I also cannot 
vividly remember anything that happened back there. I just remember going up the stairs and not remembering anything else after that. And I literally had nobody to tell because I felt like nobody would listen to me. If I told my parents, they would tell me to be quiet or that I was lying. And everything I said just was never listened to. And eventually I became very secluded as I got older and I was always in my room. I was always gone trying to sleep at my friends' houses and I ended up being very introverted. And eventually I started lashing out when I wasn't getting my way because I never wanted to be home. So I was always getting grounded and my dad never wanted me to leave. And eventually I ended up staying home more because I was grounded. And I remember my brother having a girl stay with us for a while and one night my brother was gone. I don't remember where he was, but her and my dad took me into the garage and my mom was gone um, because she was at a mental hospital and they made me smell on this rag. I don't remember what it was. It was like some enhancer, sex enhancer. I literally have no idea what it was called. I just remember standing in the back of our garage smelling it and I remember just remember being told to just do it and I'll be fine and I did it because I didn't want to get hurt. So a lot of these things I just threw to the back of my head because one nobody's gonna believe me if I tell them and two I didn't have anybody to tell. And I was scared of the consequences of telling anybody at school. So eventually I started self-harming and I was becoming very depressed because I felt like that was my only way out and I used to take the spiral part of a notebook and cut it at an angle and I used to cut myself with it um, and I always remember hiding the scars I would wear sweatshirts to school and even if it was hot out or just longer pants because I used to cut my thighs too and I just I it, I to me thought it was helping, but in reality it was making things worse. Um, and I used to get called into the into like the counselor at school to try and talk and I never wanted to talk because um, I wasn't used to people wanting me to talk and I didn't know how to communicate. So <clears throat> my parents found out that I was cutting and I got in really big trouble and they forced me to go to therapy and they started putting me on all these different medications. And they would watch me take it every day and they would make me stick out my tongue and I would just move it around my mouth and then as I would leave, I'd spit it out because I didn't want to take it. My brothers took medications all throughout growing up and I see, like I had seen firsthand what it did to them and I didn't want to take it myself. Um, <clears throat> While going through all of this, my mom was still continuously going in and out of mental hospitals and I was going to school and trying to do my homework and trying to pass all these classes while still trying to take care of my sister because my dad would work till 5.30 and my brothers wouldn't be home and like I, I honestly don't even remember who watched my sister before I got home but I remember taking care of my sister when I got home. Um, so then my freshman year of high school, my mom finally got enough treatment 
to be able to come stable enough to leave my dad and my parents got divorced. Um, we lived in the golden house for like five ish months. And if you don't know what the golden house is, the golden house is a homeless shelter for domestic abuse for women and their children to go when they're getting out of a, a, a domestic abuse situation. And I really remember how hard that was. Um, I experienced a lot of sickness there because it's a home and I remember getting lice and having to deal with that and missing school and still not being in the right mindset after seeing everything that I had seen so far. And my mom and I got in our first physical fight there. I don't even remember what we were arguing about, but I had walked into the corner by the door and she had hit me over my head with my laptop and I immediately punched her in the face as a reflex. And then after that, my sister was crying in the corner and my mom called the cops and the cops got there and I ended up getting in trouble for punching her back. Um, and they just told me that to not hit my mom and otherwise I would get in trouble. And through this, we were working with investigators and officers and we were taking multiple statements me and my sister were, and I remember this happening multiple times. We would tell them everything that happened and our stories never changed. And at the end of it, the officer that we had, she literally looked at me and said, how do I know that you're not lying? When mine and my sister's story was the exact same and we were not in the same room giving the same statement. We were in different rooms. And they said that they couldn't do anything to prosecute my dad because there wasn't enough proof. Um, my dad previously in a different marriage was arrested for um, sexual harassment due to taking, I don't even know if it was sexual harassment, some type of, I don't even fucking know what it's called. <laughs> but in a previous marriage, he was taking pictures of girls under the age of 10, completely naked. Um, and he also molested my cousin. So my cousin was making statements during this time period too. And from all of our statements, my mom's statements, my mom's proof of overdosing, this um, officer told us that basically we were all lying. I remember that like crushing feeling of finally telling somebody about all the abuse you've encountered and just for it to get shut down and told that you're lying when you're not. Um, at the end of this five months, we got an apartment and I switched school districts. Uh, at this district is when I experienced the most bullying and there was most days if I wasn't with Haley, because we went to the same school at this point, um, I would literally come home crying off the bus because people were so mean to me and people would make fun of me constantly and talk badly about me and I never wanted to go to school. And <clears throat> I experienced a lot of depression there with like being upset with my body and being upset with how I looked and becoming very self-conscious and covering up more, wearing baggy clothes because I didn't like how my body looked due to everybody talking badly about me.
and I would try and skip school. I would try and find any reason to not go because I didn't want to deal with the people there. So dealing with all this bullying and trying to still take care of my sister and my mom, still not being 100% mentally stable, there was a weekend that my sister was gone and I was staying with a friend and I got there and it was late and then all of a sudden I just got this really bad feeling and I told her, I was like, is there any way that you can bring me home? Like, I, I need to go home. And so we got ready and she brought me home and so I unlocked the door and my mom was passed out on the recliner foaming from the mouth and the first thing that I did was call my brother and I told him what was going on and I was panicking and the first thing he said to me is Sophie why the fuck didn't you call 911 and I immediately started crying even more because I don't know and he told me he was like hang the fuck up you need to call 911 and he told me that he was coming and hung up on me and after that I still didn't call my like, I didn't call 911, I called my cousin, and I told her what was going on, and I was freaking out, and she called 911 for me. And the ambulance got there, the cops got there, and I was still the only one there. And so then they came in with the stretcher and put her on it and wheeled her away. And about 40-ish minutes later, my brother and my cousin got there, and I think that I stayed with my cousin that weekend, but I, I really don't remember. But all throughout high school, I was constantly staying at different people's houses. Me and my sister were. We were at my cousin Natalie's a lot. We had stayed at my brother's. We had stayed at Haley's a lot. We just were never home because my mom was still battling um, the depression and overdosing, and she wasn't 100% okay. Um, through all of this, I really had to grow up fast, and I had to figure out a lot of things on my own because I had nobody to teach me. So I ended up trying to find that in guys. Um, and we had moved districts again because I hated the district that we were at when we moved to the, um, the apartment. And so we moved into a house. My mom finally got a house and I switched school districts again. And then I started talking to this guy and this guy is now my son's my oldest son's dad and we were together for quite some time before I got pregnant actually it wasn't that long it was like four months but anyway um, after I got pregnant he started becoming like extremely abusive um, he he started by like hitting me when I wouldn't do things that he wanted um, into becoming extremely toxic and controlling. I had to make two different Facebooks, which if you look me up to this day, you can still see the two fakes, the two other Facebooks that he made me make um, that have no guys on it. I wasn't allowed to have men on any social media and he had access to these passwords and I did not. So that's why they're still up there because I have never had access to them and I don't know how to delete them now. So this went on and he would just get worse and worse.
I would try and leave and he would hit me, he would push me, he would tell me that I couldn't leave. He used to force me to sneak in his house and I used to hide in his basement when he would go to school. He would make me skip school. He would take my keys so I couldn't leave throughout the day. We would hide my car places. Like it just, it, it all got really bad and eventually he would do things like if we were driving and I'd piss him off for some reason or not answer him fast enough, he would legitly turn my car off on the highway while I was driving. Like literally try and kill us. Or we'd be driving on a main road and he'd throw my car in neutral or try and throw it in reverse to fuck up my car. Just like literally the craziest shit ever. And it took me so long to leave. But what, what really was the turning point for me in actually leaving him was I was about six months pregnant and he ended up getting my best friend at this time pregnant as well. And when I found that out, that was what clicked in my head that I needed to actually leave and never go back. So I was at my mom's house and I told them that we were done and I was never coming back. And that's how we had broken up and actually stayed broken up. There was a couple times that I tried to get back with him because I didn't know what to do because I was young and pregnant and whatever, but we ended up staying broken up and honestly, that was for the better. So he wasn't at Braxton's birth and he actually started telling me that it wasn't his kid and just trying to blame the entire situation on me and make me look bad. But we ended up getting our paternity test and he came back and like literally his kid and he still tried to tell me that it wasn't his and tell everybody that it wasn't. And to this day, he still does not take care of Braxton and or my best friend's, well, his other kid too. He has technically four, but he only takes care of one. So, well, technically two, but the other one is not his kid. It's from his fiance, whatever. It's a fucking mess. How are you going to be, I think he's 20 and have four fucking kids. Yeah, it's pretty pathetic. Yeah. Anyway, so after that, like, we were together for, I don't know, a year. And Braxton was two months. And that's when I met Colt's dad. Um, I met Colt's dad when Braxton was in the hospital at the Children's Hospital when he had croup and RSV. And he was there for about two weeks, I think. And Colt's dad would come visit me there and, you know, bring me things, whatever I needed, and we ended up dating. And shortly after him and I started dating, he ended up cheating on me with his ex. But a month or so after that happened and we'd broken up, we ended up getting back together. And not even a month later, I was pregnant. And... Again, and I remember literally shitting my fucking pants. Um, what happened was I had gotten a tattoo and I was with my friend and I told her, man, I really don't feel good. Like, I wonder if it was just my stomach tattoo. And she was like, haha, what if you're pregnant? And I was like, um, 
no, I don't think I'm pregnant. Like, there's no fucking way. Like, nah. She's like, okay, well, if you're not pregnant, just take one for shits and giggles. I was like, okay, I'll fucking take a pregnancy test. Like, I'm not pregnant. And so I got back to, I was actually living with Braxton's grandma at this time. And I had gotten back and I went into the bathroom and I was like, I'll be right back and I'll show you that it's negative. So I took it and I set it on the counter and I was watching it and I saw the first line pop up and I literally said, oh shit. And I started bawling because I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. And I came out of the bathroom crying and Braxton's grandma asked me what was wrong and I threw it at her and she goes, holy shit. And I was like, yeah. And Braxton was uh, six months at this time. Five months? Do you remember, Haley? Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> November, He December, was January, still pretty young. I mean, he was under a year. Oh, it was like seven months. Yeah, he yeah. was under a year, but... Yeah. And I literally... I shit my fucking pants, and I got in the car, and I threw the test at my friend, and I literally said, fuck you, because I thought she jinxed that shit. But I had told... I re- hold on. I remember <sighs> you pulling up in my driveway and going, Haley, I just need to talk to you for a second. Yeah. And I'm like, I said to Zach, I'm like, this motherfucker better not be fucking pregnant again. Yeah, for <laughs> sure shit, I was. Sure enough, you like, you told me, you were like, oh, I'm pregnant. Don't tell anybody. I haven't told anybody except for like a few people. And I was like, no, you're not, Sophie. Like, you're totally joking with me and you threw your paper at me. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude. It's fine. Colt's a little cutie now. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but back then, that shit was fucking traumatic. It's okay. hard. Yeah, and I, I had told his dad, and literally his dad ignored me for a week. And then we ended up, like, officially getting back together. And then we were together for a really long time. And I was about a month before I had colds. I found out he was cheating on me again while I was pregnant. And that is probably some of the worst pain I have ever had. Because I was actually, like, 100% in love and finding the person that you think you love cheating on you while you're pregnant with their child when it's a different type of love is a whole different feeling, a whole different amount of pain. And that completely crushed me. And it was super hard because he was there for Colt's birth. Like he bought me all these gifts for his birth, like was being super sweet and we still weren't together. And we lived together for eight months after we had broken up. And still we're seeing each other for probably another six to eight months after that. Um, And I ended up moving out at the end of this eight months and got my own place. And I was a total mess. I never ate. I, all I did was cry. I was extremely depressed and I ended up becoming really anorexic. And I got down to about 120 pounds and I'm 5'6". So that's pretty skinny. Like you can ask anybody. I was seriously like super sickly thin. And I just, I didn't know how to handle the emotion. And then I found out that Colt's dad was seeing somebody and I completely broke down and that was extremely hard for me. I mean, it still is hard for me. Um, but in a different way now. So Colt's dad was also really 
verbally abusive and he was very narcissistic. He used to talk down on me. He used to scream at me. He used to tell me I was fat. He used to tell me I was this and that. And it really made me feel like he never actually loved me, even though I know he did. But I still hear those things when I look in the mirror today. Like I have a freckle on my lip and he used to pinpoint that all the time or my crooked nose or my eyes were too far apart or my forehead was so big and like now I still look in the mirror and every time I look at my face or my body like I see those things that he used to pinpoint all the time and that's really hard for me that was like really hard on my self-image and still I'm working on my self-image because it's hard to love yourself after the love you've been receiving for so long has been so negative, you don't know anything positive. And you don't know how to continually give yourself positive reinforcement to grow your self-love. And when you've never been shown proper love, figuring out what healthy love is, is extremely hard. And bringing that into parenting is even harder. Yeah, so that was just a little bit insight to some of the trauma that I've endured. Obviously, it wasn't all of it, but those were some of the big things that I could remember when I was putting this together. Well, and I think bigger topics that now in life we're still trying to heal from and still have trauma to this day, or we see something and we still get triggers yeah, from our sure. childhood. And I think... um I'm still trying to find closure to these things as well. Yeah, exactly. I do think in the mix of that, you know, we did have really good memories with friends and family. And I think that's what gets me through some of my trauma too, is thinking back of, you know, having some of my closest friends around, you know, and some of the hard parts or just to get me out of that funk or, you know, when I was with my mom or whatever, to to go to to someone else's house or like yeah. Brooke's house and be like, well, I'm just leaving. Right. It's I'm out of the situation. Of situation for sure. Right. I think for you and I together, like our best memories are definitely at grandma's house. Yeah. Or and even at your dad's house. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was more of a safe environment and that loving feeling that we didn't get when we were at our other homes. Exactly. And I think, I think one of the biggest things is, you know, you and I had to grow up really fast in certain aspects of life where when we were at my dad's house or if we were at grandma's house or in grandpa's house, it was like we could be kids again. We didn't have to watch everybody else. We didn't have to make food for people. We didn't have to, you know what I mean? We didn't have to tend to other people's whatever they wanted. Other people's children that we didn't have to fucking take care of. Or that, or even adults that were acting like children as well. Well, I think even having friends that we went with, you know, there was things that my friends brought up that I was like, I had no idea that even happened, or I didn't remember that that happened. And I think when I was going through my story, and I think you had the same thing, where we couldn't get in as much detail as we were hoping because you forget. Yeah, like I couldn't elaborate on some of the things that I had mentioned because I seriously cannot remember the fine details to all these events. I can remember the overall event, but I cannot remember each step that happened through this event. 
And I feel like a lot of people have that because your trauma mends so far into the back of your brain that your brain just diminishes a lot of the hardest parts of the trauma, the most traumatic parts, and they just give you the overall bigger picture like over the years. It just diminishes. Yeah. I And the other thing is I think that as we went through all of this and in the middle of things, I, I always thought to myself, is this ever going to end? Yeah. Like if I'm, is, am I ever going to be done dealing with what I'm dealing with and what we're saying is our trauma, you know, from our childhood and, um, trauma actually never goes away. You know, you can manage it with many different things, you know, counseling and, and, you know, other things or like that. Or finding your closure, but it, it'll still always be in the back of your brain and something someday is going to bring up some trigger form of your trauma, whether you feel like you've healed from it or not, there will still be triggers for each and everything that you've been through, positive or negative. What's really crazy in my life, and I struggle with daily, is like my husband, Zach, and I fight a lot because my responses to him are always very wild and maybe not in the best attitude or the best form to bring up conversations. Right. And that's how I am. But to be fair, like we grew up in a different way and we grew up not learning correct communication on how to talk to people. And it's not to say that he hasn't gone through things because everybody goes through things, but the way that you learn about communication and handling situations and talking back all has to do with how you grew up and how you were treated growing up and how you were spoke to or how you spoke back in these situations, either as a defense mechanism, not even trying to be defensive, but that's just how you talk now. Well, and I think when you stop and you reflect on what you had said or how your tone came off, you're like, wow, you know, I sounded just like my mom. Yes. Or just like my dad, or I sounded really bitchy, or I could have totally said that the wrong or like the right way. And that for me is always like, you need to slow down in life. Yeah. Take a step back and, you know, look at stuff. And process what you're going to say before you say it instead of just saying it. But you and I are both so used to just speaking right away because if we didn't get enough fast thinking. enough, it, we weren't going to get listened to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I do want to talk about, you know, a few self-care tips for people that have gone through trauma or abuse-related things. And one of the thing things or first things is just recognizing that you had trauma or that you were being abused. And I actually went to a counselor, oh gosh, this was when I right around when I was getting married. So two and a half, three years ago, the best thing that ever stuck with me is no one else's trauma is bigger than yours. Yeah. It's all the same because you have no idea. Everybody's brain, it functions differently. So, you know, Sophie, you went through from what I would say, worse things than me. You know, just just out of context. But I shouldn't feel like... Your trauma is nothing. Is lesser than yours. Right. But, yeah, because we both went through our own trauma. And just because someone's seems worse or they went through more doesn't mean that yours isn't bad or, you know. So the second thing is just understanding the importance of healing. 
in that this process of healing does take time. You're, it's not going to be a one-day thing. Right. This, I mean, for you and I, it's been years. You know, I've yeah. been healing from my stuff a little bit longer than you because you're younger than yeah. me. And like, like I said before, I'm still going through things daily that I know that comes from my childhood. Yeah, and one, another tip that, like, I find is trying to learn how to create healthy boundaries in relationships with friendships, like intimate relationships, coworker relationships, any type of relationship, trying to set that healthy boundary. Because a lot of times when you have trauma, you go back on how you learn to... Or what you were told. Yeah, or how to make a relationship with somebody. And most of the time when it's trauma-related, it's not a healthy way. And that's something I still struggle with is trying to communicate, like, in a healthy way. Or creating healthy boundaries in a relationship and not letting somebody walk all over me. Or just saying yes because I'm scared that they're going to yell at me. I still do that at work. Yeah. I literally don't know how to say no. And that's something that I'm still working on and creating that healthy boundary with. And I think we get into that a lot more in the later episodes, um, if I'm not mistaken, like the second or third season. But one of the biggest things with saying no is that's what I've been trying to do in the last year. And I'll tell you what, it's fucking hard. Yeah. Because you feel so fucking guilty. Like your conscience is like, don't say no, that's your grandma. That's this. and. That's, Holy that's man, you hard. have to. Like, yeah, it's hard. Um, I will tell you what, though. Now that I'm at the end, not I don't want to say the end, but I've been trying to heal myself and saying no and putting up those walls and boundaries. I feel a ton better. Yeah, same. In the last few months, I've like really cracked down on it, and I've deleted a lot of people on Facebook, and I've deleted a lot of people on social media. And if I'm trying to talk to somebody and they say something I don't like, I will literally just flat out tell them no. Be like, ew, like stop. And ever since I've like started putting myself first in these situations, I felt so much better. So I really just encourage everybody to try and set these healthy boundaries in any type of relationship because one, you're going to feel so much better. Two, you're going to be able to focus on yourself to really try and start healing all the things that you've been through. So I think the next thing is um, embracing positive affirmations. Yeah, and don't you have an app? Do you have an app for that? Yes. You got to tell them what it what it's called. But yes. having positive affirmations is amazing. I actually see new moms today in society do that with their little kiddos, and I hope when the girls get a little bit older that I can start that. But you know, I am worthy. I I am beautiful. You know, you say that every single morning. Have something that you say to yourself because. We are all worthy of those words. And a lot of us that are dealing with trauma have never heard a lot of these things or have heard the opposite of positive affirmations. What's the app called? It's called I Am Daily Affirmations. Um, I love this app. It's a lot of simple things. It's not too complicated. It's not too complex. It just, it gets to the point and you just repeat this daily affirmation. A lot of them are like, I am confident in my ability to change my life. I am enough. Uh, I am proud of myself for getting this far. I am loved. It's just, it's blunt to the point. It's not too complex. I love this app. So I feel like, you know, if, if you feel like you're going through some stuff or you're hard on yourself, especially, you know, with your self-worth, maybe that's something that you're like, oh, I get a coffee every single morning. I have to read my daily affirmation. And if that's easier to get an app and have that come straight to your phone, I would definitely download the I Am app. 
Um, I think the next thing is you could probably put, um, say a lot on this, but they suggest having exercise as a daily routine to get rid of it. I love the gym. Okay. You guys, I'm like a total gym junkie. The gym has seriously become a sanctuary in the best way. Every time I go to the gym, the feeling that I have mid-workout, even if I'm sweating, is insane. And the feeling that I get the second I'm done with my workout and I'm walking out of the gym, I feel powerful. I feel like I could rule the world. I feel like nothing that has ever happened to me could ever hurt me again. I just feel so strong and I feel like I could overcome anything that is thrown my way. Well, and, it's something for you and yeah, only you. You know, right. you don't have your kids. It is literally something for you to do for yourself. Yeah. And a lot of people, it's hard to actually like be committed to going to the gym. But one thing I can say is try. Try to become healthier. Try to go for a walk every day. Every day, Or if you like to run, go for a run. If you like going to the gym, get in the gym. Like just go because... One, you're not going to see any results not going. Two, the feeling that you're going to get once you leave is going to seriously improve you as a person mentally, like just as body health. Overall, you're going to feel amazing. And it's one of my favorite things to try and relieve any stress, try and actually heal myself and just make my body overall feel so much better. And my mental clarity that I have at the gym and after the gym I just, it feels so weightless. It feels very comforting. Yeah, for sure. So the the next thing is just don't be afraid to ask for help. That is so hard. That is (laughs) seriously the hardest It's probably the hardest one. Because I personally, I bottle everything up and I hate talking to anybody about it. Um, Luckily for me, my work is amazing and my boss does one-on-ones and he is probably one of the only people that I, like lately I've been able to fully decompress with because he's a very uplifting person Yeah, and has a very good mindset and very good head on his shoulders and it's very inspirational. And if you can find somebody like that, whether in a work environment or a friendship that can handle the amount that you're going to decompress on them, find that person because being able to unload that on somebody or just talk about it into the air and air it out really does help. It well, and feels I, like your shoulders aren't being weighed down. Yeah. And like I said before, I, I went to a counselor like two and a half, three years ago and um, I don't feel like I necessarily got anything from her other than that one thing. But yeah, Damn, it was nice to talk to someone that didn't fucking judge me, or at least I didn't know if she judged me. <laughs> right. I mean, in that sense, a lot of people are scared to go to therapists, but that's okay if it takes a couple times to find the right it's, therapist because yes. it's going to be the right person for you. Just because the first person, you guys didn't really get along, okay, well, that's fine. You're not going to get along with everybody in the world. Go try and find somebody else because you need to find that person that you feel comfortable enough to unload it's all your just, shit on. It's just like the real world. You're going to run into people that you're like, you know what, I'm not feeling the friendship there. You should have a friendship with your counselor. You know, when I walked in, I was like, this girl understands me in the way that she talks. And, you know, you might, you might be a woman that's more into having a man or a woman or whatever as your counselor and vice versa. So, 
yeah, definitely go out there, do a little bit of searching. Don't just stick with one and be like, ah, it just didn't work. It could have been the counselor. Find your hairstylist and a therapist. And I mean (laughs) this by every time anybody has a hairstylist, you just talk the most shit with this, with your hairstylist. Everybody does. You go to your hairstylist and you can unload everything on, on your hairstylist. And that's just how it is because that relationship is so close. They're doing your hair. They're playing with your hair. Like they make you feel good at the end. You need to find your hairstylist and a therapist. Seriously. I, that's, that's just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> so just to wrap up a little bit, I think, you know, if, if you're feeling like you have some kind of trauma or abuse and you're trying to heal or you're not sure if, you know, as you're going through your daily stuff that you may be having PTSD from stuff as you're a child, as when you're a child, you know, back then. And some of the symptoms just for you to look at is, you know, being easily started, startled or frightened throughout your day, being guarded or like you're in danger a lot of the time, being self-destructive in your behavior. I have that pretty bad. Um, trouble sleeping, trouble concentrating, angry outbursts. Wow. That is like me. Yeah, me that too. is me. Um, and then overwhelming guilt or shame, which is also something I really struggle yeah, I with. I struggle with a lot of those things. But if, if any of these or multiple of these is you, you may want to go back and listen on things to do to help you heal. So I think, you know, that's where we're at with that. Right. And I, another thing that we want to mention is if you guys have anything that you want us to hit on in, um, in an episode or anything that you want us our, our opinion on, please send us a, a personal DM on Instagram and, or if you know us personally, personally message, us. message us, <laughs> but we want to be able to hit things that you guys want to hear about as well. So we can help you guys out as well too. Or, or if you want to be on the podcast, let, let us know. Let us know. <laughs> We're going to well, be coming up with some things pretty soon, a website and some other fun things. Yeah. And we're excited for you guys to hop on this ride with us. Yeah. Thanks so. for listening to my fucking trauma, y'all. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening with us. Bye.